the sacraments are a matter of life and death, of eternal life and eternal death. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined today by Dave Deification and Grace Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> deification and Grace Van Vickle. I'm, I'm doing good, and I, I do desire the grace of deification. I hope I, It's a beautiful thing. I hope I have it one day. Hey, I have something to tell you about my comings and goings in Rome. Oh, yes. You did a big trip with your son. What, what he turned 16? 15. 15. Yeah. yeah. He's a um, man now. He's been to the Trevi Fountain. <laughs> right. Uh, so one night, I don't remember what we did, but Sam was like super tired. It was like before dinner. We were like sitting in our room and he, I was like, do you want to go eat? And he was like, not really. And I was like, do you just want to rest tonight? It was a very laid back trip like that. We just kind of decided what we wanted to do every day. And he was like, yeah, I think I just want to rest. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know what, Sam, I'm going to walk to the Vatican. So we were staying like basically from our window, we could see the Vatican garden walls. Nice. So we were like behind St. Peter's basically. Mm -hmm. So it was like a 15 minute walk around the walls to get to St. Peter's. And I was like, I think I'm just going to go for prayer because they have two lines, you know, like they have like a tourist line and then a prayer line and right. the prayer line. Like if they they'll they'll question you, like, are you really here for prayer? And you'd be like, yeah, and they'll just let you go in, you mm -hmm. know. So I was like, I'm just going to go pray. I was like in the prayer line and basking in the anonymity of another country and yeah. not knowing the language. And so all of a sudden I hear in like the most, well, she's probably going to listen, so she might be upset, but the most <laughs> American voice ever, like, oh my gosh, Dave Van Bickle, Henry, that's Dave Van Bickle. <laughs> and I... And I see this lady like running at me <laughs> running, across St. Peter's. Arms wide open, about to take flight. I love and it. And absolutely arms wide open and just runs into me with a full body hug. <laughs> and it starts rubbing my back. And finally, after like about a minute, I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she's like, no, no, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me, but I know she's like, you. But I listen to every knee show bow, and I come on all your webinars, and I'm your biggest fan. I'm the biggest fan of the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. And Henry is screaming at her to get back in line. <laughs> and she's like, no, Henry, you have to come meet him. And then she's like, kids, come meet Dave Anthicle. <laughs> and these four teenagers who like couldn't care less about this, right? Oh, that's so funny. Like, saunter up. It was, it was the funniest thing, like, you know, but. I would love it if you introduced the kids and you said, "Hey, my name's Dave Van Vickle, and I'm bigger. I'm a bigger deal than the Vatican." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah, can look right. at artwork, or you can talk to me. <laughs> I'm oh. healing and anointing. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it was. Yeah, I it was love great. that. I love that. I had a guy up at. Uh, so I went to the seat conference with uh, Ascension. And yeah. I, I was there doing at the booth. At, I have number one. I have no idea. I had no idea how much I love being at a booth at an exposition, right? Like Why? exhibits. Why? I, oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? I get to talk to Why? a thousand people. Oh yeah, it's my worst nightmare. Uh, your worst nightmare is my bread and butter, baby. Yeah. So I'm right. sitting there, and uh, this is where I realized, like, my father-in-law has two businesses that are like wildly different. One's a networking company, and the other one manufactures O-rings, right? So when he goes to trade shows. 
they're totally different things. He said, but the thing they okay. have in common is you are yelling at, you know, hey, come on over here, do this, do this. Oh. But when you go to focus, it's all religious orders. It's all ministries. It's all quiet right. people. And then yeah. there's me. And, then and I was you. I was shouting things at people, you know, walking by. And I'm like, hey, you, sir, real quick. How often would you say you read the Bible? And then the, the kid <laughs> would look serious? at me and he would go, yeah, he would look at me and go, Ugh. And like the corner of his mouth would go down. And yeah, I would say, right. judging by how low the corner of your mouth plummeted, you should come over and get a new Bible in the year app and blah, blah, blah. So it was so funny. But then when, when it was like really low, because everyone's hearing, listening to Father Mike give a talk, right? Father Mike Schmitz goes, I mean, just the whole arena fills when he gives a talk, right? Oh, does it uh, not? Is it not like that for every talk? Is that? Well, you, for most of the big keynotes, especially like the evening keynotes, it's, it's full for you know but but there's many different talks that are happening during the day so you can go to different things and stuff like that and okay. i just started shouting to the people who were like wandering around and other booth people i'd be like if you don't come over here download our app listen to me we made we brought father mike schmitz into this world we can take him out if you don't download <laughs> so i oh, ended up saying that. things that, that, that they would rather me not but it's fine it's fine so it's funny because the <laughs> signal to noise ratio for me to bark at people as they walk by i mean there was no one else barking whereas at my father-in-law's trade shows everyone's barking at everyone so the right. signal noise ratio is pretty high so uh right. i loved it i loved it man i got like oh oh lead generation out the wazoo lead generation what were you selling no they were just doing the app stuff right so you get they give you so they have this cool thing where they would have name badges with a qr code and you would scan their qr code and it would give you their name and email address and stuff like that immediately so you would generate leads as they would come up with like let us scan your badge and you can get a free sticker and all that stuff it was awesome it was awesome it was so fun yeah this, and i realized i realized at that moment that uh that i've missed my calling i am called to be a booth babe so i bought some short shorts and a tight tank top and i'm going back that is weird. i know that was bad that was bad i shouldn't have said that but tons of eksb fans no one hugged me but tons of e okay a couple people did but uh no one loves me like uh like your fan does but it was funny this one person several people would walk and be like hey we have a parasocial relationship here i know everything about your existence and you know nothing about me right right but i'm gonna kiss you on your nose right now and, right. Then, and we right. would just go for it we'd see what happens you know <laughs> we'd get a blessing it was spontaneous and beautiful anyhow yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is uh that's interesting. That's well, interesting that's and disturbing. I'm, I'm happy that you you were at Seek. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and I I have fallen in love with the app. I have the Premiere version which gives you yeah. access to all of their all yeah. of their belt studies. It's incredible. So I was right. like, "Wait, all of it?" And I went through um the Bible timeline, Jeff K, you know, the magnum yeah. opus, right? 24 or something sessions, and I just went from the royal kingdom to the church and I downloaded them all. Uh, and I put them on double speed and from getting to the airport, getting through security, getting on the plane and then landing, I had gone through like a thousand years of salvation history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now every time I go to sleep at night and close my eyes, I hear Jeff Cavins' voice telling me about the Lord. And it's beautiful. It could be worse. It could be worse. Could be wor that could be worse. I mean, he's got a nice, he does know, nice, He'd calm, soothing tone. <laughs> uh okay dave what are we talking about today something about solving mysteries <laughs> exactly <laughs> the source jones um the uh encyclopedia the, brown okay no yeah. Sorry. yeah sorry what i'd like to talk about today is kind of like the state of mystagoja today and what it's supposed to look like and what it does often play out because it is obviously a major crisis in our church right i mean 
sacramental literacy amongst Catholics is abysmal. It's booming. And, um, Wait, no, abysmal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. It is atrocious. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really bad. And and it's uh, the kind of thing that I, I think, like you were kind of hinting to it, the transcendent is not as apparent as it was before. So it mm. doesn't, it like there there's mysteries that invite you in, right? That 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 there's things like that. And it's the the mass that most of us grew up with is is very it's it's a shallow end as far as like, you know, understanding it. You can go and you can participate for a long time without wondering a lot. Yeah. And I think like there's you know, there, there like for instance, you know, why? Why the incense? Why the bells? Right? Right. Yeah. Why those kinds of things? Like those are questions that bring us, draw us deeper into exactly what this season is about. And so so there is this problem, right, that we have where most people could use a period of mystagogia, and most of us should be spending our life in, in a spirit of mystagogia, in a sense, yeah. right? Um, but for these purposes, for this episode, let's talk about, like, the actual rite of Christian initiation, period of mystagogia, and what, what's going wrong here. And, mm-hmm. and I think both of us probably have some perspective because we've both been involved with RCA a lot, but I'd love to hear, what did you used to offer at your parish? Because your parish was always pretty good about stuff like this. So, okay, so there there are four principal parts of the RCIA process. There's the pre-catechumenate, also known as inquiry. There's the catechumenate, which just means period of study. And then there's the period of purification and enlightenment, also known as Lent, and then when they receive the sacraments. And then there's the period after reception of the sacraments on Easter Vigil, known as mystagogy, or mystagogia, if you want to keep the the Greek way, right? Mystagogia. So for many of us, what it is is uh, pre-catechumenate inquiry is this is what the Catholic Church teaches in a nutshell. And then the catechumenate is, oh, dear God, you don't know anything about the church. This is also what the Catholic Church teaches in a nutshell. And then purification and enlightenment is we're going to have a little bit more small group, but oh, dear God, you don't know what the Catholic Church is. So we're going to keep teaching you what the Catholic Church is in a nutshell. And then Mystagogia is, well, we didn't really do a great job teaching you about the sacraments, so now we're going to teach you about the sacraments and no one shows up because they already graduated. So right. it's, it's, it's graduated is that key word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what I tried to do, honestly, and it was so hard because this, this is the current, the culture, right? This is the, the, the kind of conveyor belt, is I think our St. Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands, Texas, used to have a great... Uh, I, I don't mean used to have as, the, as if they don't anymore, but they had a bunch of lay volunteers who would run it and they would do a really good like survey right at the end of the pre-catechumenate before you go into the catechumenate and they would say in the, in the rights of, of welcome or acceptance and they would say like they would give you an assessment and they would say, do you really want to do this? Like yeah. this is what it, like at the end of this process, you are going to be a committed lifelong Catholic. Right now. And, and here's the deal. People will say yes and lie people will say but you take them at the word right and then you begin the process of the catechumenate which is here's the big picture of the catholic church but when you actually read the rite itself the book the big white book that's issued by the usccb or whatever and it's no longer rcia ocia right the order of christian initiation when you read it it talks about those to be admitted to, to the catechumenate should already be calling on god in prayer have a basic understanding of the teachings of the catholic church and all of these things and an experience of the Christian community, you're just deepening what they already know. And right. you, you think of this as, oh, this is what it's like in missionary territories. Imagine you're doing a mission. Let's just use a standard thing. You're in Africa. You're talking to people who have never heard of the Lord, pagan, naturalists, whatever. 
and you've been preaching the gospel for years and they've been coming. Maybe you set up a little school and their kids are going to your school and you're catechizing and evangelizing and you're teaching them about the faith this whole time. And then at the end of that, they say, I want to become Catholic. I believe these things. That's when RCIA or OCIA starts. But in the West, right. when that model gets imported into a post-Christian world, you're like, okay, I want to become Catholic. Why? Well, I'm married to a Catholic. We should have one religion in the home. <sighs> okay. Are you baptized? No. Are you baptized? Yeah, Protestant, but never really practiced. Yeah, you know, whatever. You sort these people into different groups, and then you're just begging them to understand a little bit about the Catholic faith. You initiate them into the mysteries, and then maybe they'll come once or twice afterwards. So what I did was I pushed all sacramental catechesis uh, of the individual sacraments and how to live them to mystagogy. So they did not know what baptism was outside of a cursory understanding. They did not know what confirmation was, and they did not know what the Holy Eucharist was. A little bit more about the Eucharist. But it was all typological, prayer, mystagogical understanding of the sacraments for mystagogy. So it's like okay. I wanted them to have an element, a little bit of surprise. When they were like, so this is what baptism is. I'm going to go down into the waters, and I'm going to come up right. a new creation. But then we led, what does it mean to live the life of a new creation? So we went through matter and form, you know, officiant, recipient, but also we did a mystagogic. I focused more on the mystery of that, which led purification and enlightenment, the Lenten thing, thing to be more about prayer, devotion, fasting, almsgiving, all of that stuff. Okay. Okay. I like that. So I was, I was a little all over the place, but yeah. No, I like that. I think it's, well, first of all, it's way better than what is normally happening, right? Where they say, well, very often, very often what happens, and I've seen this, you know, on, on probably at least a dozen occasions, and it's indicative of what is happening across the country, is that, yeah. that what they'll say is like, well, I'll be in touch with you after Easter, and we'll try to schedule some Mystagoja sessions, right? Ugh, traditionally, okay. tra traditionally, the right, it would extend to Pentecost, yeah. right? Yeah, like that's the, the readings way it are mystagogical. The readings right. in the lectionary for all Catholics are meant to be for the neophytes and thus a renewal for us. Right. Okay. But what usually happens is like they have a few people stop coming and they stopped having them. Right. Yeah. And I think we can talk about reasons for that. Like, I think one of the reasons is kind of like what you said, more like the commodification of like Catholicism, right? Like I, I'm, I'm getting, this is a utility for me. Like yeah. I want one faith in the home or I'm marrying this person and it's important to her or that kind of thing. It, what, what I would say is there is not even a hint of that when you talk about a Christian initiation in the fathers of the church, not like, even remotely, <laughs> like you, 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 like when you were baptized, you were ready to die for the faith and, and not just that, but suffer and die for the faith. Like that's, that is the, the, what you get a little bit from, from their writings and from their teachings yeah. that this was a very serious time. And in fact, they wouldn't admit you to baptism. You, you hinted at this at the last, in our last episode, right? This, the scrutinies like baptism was for somebody practicing a moral life, yeah. right? Like they were, they were practicing a moral life and, and the scrutinies were just one part of it. Like, right, they would have the scrutinies, but they would also, you know, have this month, like a month long, like exorcism period where they were, you know, doing these like intense, intense yeah. things, you know? So, I mean, it was like a very much like it was not just, it certainly wasn't a photo op, right? Like what we see so often <laughs> yeah. nowadays. And I think that's like something to remember that this was like, it was a much more serious thing before. Yeah. yeah and you uh, have and, two and, things that make it less serious. Well, the, the one okay. thing is you have 
the enculturation of Christianity, right? So the Western world right. is essentially a, right. a Christian or post-Christian world, but still you have the vest that like the mystery side of it, the hiddenness of it is like, but ev- everyone knows, you know, you're yeah. talking in the first 300 years of the church, they practiced Holy mass in secret. Right. And that was called the discipline of the secret. Right. Even in, in some of the prayers of the fathers for the liturgy, it would say things like there's a prayer of St. John Chris Austin where he says, and I will not tell of thy, of thy mysteries, nor will I betray thee like a Judas kiss. And right. like, like it's pretty intense when you think about like, that's how they viewed the Eucharist. Like it was life or death. The, the sad thing is it still is life or death. It's just not physical. And right. because it's not physical, because it's not seen, we diminish it. And this is the thing that we're trying to recover is that the sacraments are a matter of life and death, life and of death. eternal life and eternal death. You, you get this also in, in the document that we mentioned in the previous episode about from St. Cyril. I mean, he is warning people, do not approach the mysteries until you're ready. Like it is, it is a very serious deal for him. And so it's just, it's a radically different climate than what, what originally happened. So, so my, my suggestion would be, I think like if I were, if someone were to come to me and say like, well, what do we do? You're in a a rough situation. It's hard because you don't have anything over their head at that point. Right. Like, and that's not the way to do sacraments, but it's the way it happens very often. Right. So what your job would be during that time that they're preparing for the vigil is to evangelize and foster enough of a fides quorens intellectum, right? A, A faith that quests for understanding that they desperately want to to learn more about this. And mm. so kind of like what Gomer said is, is is a good idea, although when he says it, it sounds sterile. I'm sure when he actually does it, it's not. Like introducing them just a little bit to the sacraments is great, but make sure, right, that you do this in a way that is like appealing, right? And and and, yeah. the, and gets across the drama of God saving his people through this covenant, right? So that they want to learn more. The last RCIA class I was involved with was like so fantastic. It was everything you ever dreamed of in an RCIA class, Gomer. It was like two avowed atheists who were like kind of struggling with their atheism. One guy was a practicing Muslim. One guy was a not practicing Buddhist guy who had memorized the Westminster catechism, like inside and out. One guy, his wife was a a pastor, like, you know, well knew the Bible inside and out (laughs) and it was awesome. And I, what I found is that, and I, and I kind of stopped in the middle of this class. It was like when my job was interrupted and, um, I have found like by email, I've been doing so much mystagogia with these people, but it's because they had this deep hunger to understand more deeply than what, what they're able to understand. Right. And, and certainly I think that that is like what's important is to pique that curiosity and pique that interest. I also think Mystagogia, for the sake of the parish worker, for the sake of the parish pastor, should be offered to the whole parish. I think mm, yes, like every time yes. you do it, I think you should offer it to the whole parish. Now, you would want to prioritize those who did come in at the vigil, of course, but yeah. but I think it should be offered at the whole parish. And I also think my kind of final like soapbox tip here is – you need to build a culture of mystagogia right mm. at your parish. Like mm. there needs to be lots of resources towards yeah. this end. There needs to be lots of time given towards this end. And and to understand like that's it's a lifelong thing. Like to the last part of mystagogia should be this is what we've taught you. Now you go and you 
you learn, you de- you dig deeper into these mysteries. Yeah. And if you think about it, so th- there's this line in one of the prayers from the Anglican tradition that's in the ordinary mass. And it's, uh, it talks about newness of life, right? And it says this new, so that we may walk in the newness of life. And that's a quote from Romans chapter eight. And it's about this, this life of Christians that is so informed by the Holy Spirit that it is a new version of life. And this is the thing. When we talk about the newness of life, when we talk about the mystery of Christ, it means that the, like the world has its priorities, right? The, in the words of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, the world rejoices in mediocrity. It doesn't want people to be too good or too bad. It'll kill them both, right? right. And so what we want to do, though, is adopt kingdom priorities, Christ priorities, and it's really hard for us to do that because we live in the world. And so part of mystagogy is to get us to realize like the principles of the Holy Spirit that guide and govern the saints, the apostles, the church, Christ. These are different. Sometimes they're aligned. Sometimes they're opposed to the priorities of the world, the priorities of the Republican Party, the priorities of the Democrats, right? These, these, this, this is reality. And part of the problem with us is we're, we're hyphenated Christians. Right, I'm a conservative Catholic. I'm a traditionalist Catholic. I'm a modern Catholic. I'm a Vatican II Catholic. Sure, I'm a, sure. And the the thing is, like, we 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 read Christianity within the context of our politics, our worldview, our our ideology, our this and that. But what mystagogy, and that's natural. That's natural for fallen humans. But what we want to do is by constantly coming back to the wisdom, capital W, of God, we want God to give us His kingdom priorities right, where we seek first the kingdom of heaven and then all shall be added. We don't seek first the kingdom of our bank accounts, the kingdom of, you know, well-esteem in the eyes of men. You know, St. Paul writing is like, am I, <laughs> judge my writing. Am I writing to please God or man, right? And so this, this is the part, this is why the whole church needs this. The whole church needs this because we need to constantly come back to the font, which is Christ and his Holy Spirit, and allow them to give us their opinion, right, to speak. Right. You know, God giving us his opinion for a change instead of us always giving God ours, right? Because his opinion is truth, capital T. Yeah, right. I, I think I, I want to like quickly jump back to something you said that as you're talking, I was trying to listen to you and I was also listening to like processing to what you said before <laughs> that that it's still a matter of life and death, yeah. you know? And I think like, right, the, wor- the word neophyte is what we use to describe the newly baptized and it means new plant, you know, and mystagogia is specifically for that neophyte, right? That, that new plant that needs to desperately be fed. And, and I think like the problem with not having a really comprehensive and a really powerful mystago- period of mystagogia is like the call of Catholicism is lofty and it's great. Like Gomer, you know, throws out that phrase kingdom priorities that's not easy today, right? That's not an easy thing. And you better feed that person something to give them the power to be able to make that decision. Like it, it is not something that you should take lightly. And I, and I think this often, like it's unfair for us to place a yoke on someone of that kind of call without the, the tools, not tools. I hate saying that word, not tools, but, but the, 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 the growth or the fruit necessary to be able to, to answer that call. It's just unfair. So I think that that's like something to take very seriously in this moment because I would agree it is it's a matter of life and death 
And we're we're kind of like I remember the old talk by Jeff Cavins, number one Catholic eating disorder or something like that, right? Like I'm not being fed was oh, like yes. a tape that you know. Yes. Remember he used to have this talk, and that talk like deeply affected me. I remember yeah. when I was when I was in high school, but I think that's still true. Like so many people feel like they're on this journey, but they're starving. Yeah, and that's because we don't have the proper understanding of what Christ wants to do in the sacrament, in the liturgy, in the sacrament. Oh, man. Yeah, and so then then people come to us, and they desire to know the Lord. They desire to know the way, the truth, and the life. They desire to know the Catholic Church's teaching about things. And in half our Catholic parishes, we're not giving them the full truth. We're not giving them the full Jesus. We're not giving them the full, full moral demands because we're scared of chasing people away. Okay, we so want you to, mean intellectually. That's yeah, it. Okay, we, yeah, we accommodate, right, people, quote-unquote, where they're at, right, instead of you're getting so you're getting so cutthroat these days these days because i've seen the fruit of bad ministry so much and i've been a part of it i've done it and i've seen it fall short when you set when you do not defend the dignity and power of the sacraments you are casting your pearls before swine yeah and christ said don't do that and it's kind of harsh to call a bunch of human swine but that's figuratively what they're doing because they're only going to trample them underfoot right and and that's what happens. That's why we have what was the 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 line fifty to seventy percent of people who go through RCIA in America are non practicing Catholics after one year, right? Fifty right. to seventy. That's seven zero percent, right? Half to half to three quarters people. So if you keep doing what you did last year, it's the same number work. of people are going to go to hell. But now they're going to go to hell with an indelible mark of Christ on their soul because of their baptism. And we did that. Well, and and and. Keep in mind what he's saying is practicing Catholic. He's not saying saints, right? 50% yes. aren't becoming saints. He's saying just practicing. I mean, the, the bar is incredibly low. <laughs> Already. It's, yeah, it's incredibly low. So I think, I think like there's hope, right? There is. There's, there's certainly hope here. And the hope is to, you know, we've talked about transforming your parish into yeah. a charismatic culture. That's the next step is adding in this mystagogic culture. I might have just coined that phrase. Mystagogic. I'm going to. No, no, I, I made it up. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the uh, like building a culture of mystagogia that 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 is a necessary part of the Christian life that yeah. that people are able to enter deeply into the liturgy and and the great thing about this, in my opinion, Gomer, is everything is now on the table, right? How we do liturgy, how we do catechesis, how we do all of those things is all up for discussion now. I mean, not up for discussion. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, what it's I mean now is on like the chopping it's, block. <laughs> it's, it's certainly up for evaluation. Are we? Are we? Are we living up to the ideal that the church hands to us? Yeah, and if we're not, that's us. That's on us. That's on yeah. us. And as lay people who are ministers in of, of the of the, you know, we participate in the stewardship ministry of the sacraments of our of our pastors. It is we are every bit as responsible. If we are the directors and coordinators and administrators, we are every bit as responsible for the ensuring of the dignity and sacraments and power of the sacraments, right? So if we're if our pastors are failing and we aren't correcting them, this is the hard part about working at a parish, and we aren't correcting them, then what? Then this this falls on us, right? Yeah. If we aren't yeah. if we aren't saying, hey, th- this is not being run well. So can I give you a for instance? Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear. Simple for instance. So. Um, we, whenever I was in charge of the sacraments, especially of initiation, especially infant baptism, 
we began to look at it. And what we did was we we printed out, I printed out the Code of Canon Law on Baptism, the Catechism on Baptism, and then our diocesan pastoral guidelines on baptism. And we read through it all, right? The whole thing was in one chunky document. And then I added the liturgy of baptism, okay? And when we began looking at it, I, I then pulled out the liturgy that of baptism, how we used to celebrate, like the little liturgical notes for the clergy when they're doing the baptism. And we realized that there was a whole bunch of things that were interesting in the old way of doing it. And I said, well, why did we do this? Why did we do that? And we go through and we find out that we were tweaking the things in the church's guidelines for things like, like the priest is supposed to go, priest or deacon goes to the altar and after the baptisms and addresses the parents, godparents, and newly baptized. But what we were doing was having the deacon stand in the aisle, having everyone around the sanctuary, not in the sanctuary, facing uh, facing forward. And I said, "Why are we doing that?" Yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't a part of it. You know what? You know what? Right. What's the point of this? You know what the answer was? It makes for a better photo op. I knew so you were going to say that. Our newest, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> our newest deacon, whose English was really really poor, he was like he had just gone up to the altar because he was using his. English to Spanish ritual book sure. and not the one that sure. we had printed out or whatever. And so he's using that and he's like, well, it says go to the altar. And so he started going to the altar and you could, it was a fundamental, simple, but fundamental change in the liturgy in the rite itself. And then, so when someone said, well, so then we wrote guidelines on how to do it and we published a book and we published the people's version of the rite so that they had it in their hands so that if someone was going rogue, no right. one was following along. Not right. the not the godparents, the parents, not the people in the pews. They're like, what right. is happening? We're supposed to be looking this way. And <laughs> we put little explainers, and one of those explainers was to unite the sacrament of baptism with the sacrament, sacrament of the altar. Of mass. Right? And as you're supposed to stand there because we don't, huh? and so you connect the whole Paschal mystery together in one simple thing. And then we had a deacon who came up and said, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. And I said, then you're done with, with ever serving in these. You're done yeah. with ever doing it. And he was. And that was because for whatever reasons, whatever hang up, this is how we do it. Maybe he wrote the original guy. I don't know. I don't yeah, know any of that. Right. But all the other deacons started doing it. And they said, it makes it so much easier. And then he came along and started doing it. And it's like, see, you can unite your great preaching with this stuff. And all of a sudden, the liturgy complements the mystery of the church. Right. It's, it, it, and it feels very disjointed for a Catholic to not live a comprehensive, holistic, liturgical life like this. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. you don't know it, but it does. It yeah. absolutely does. And that, and that's not just, it's not just the important point that Gomer just pointed out, but like also like when you don't bring it home, like that is, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's not the way we're supposed to live. The liturgy, we, our life should revolve around it, particularly the Sunday liturgy, but, but our life should revolve around the liturgy. And I just recently I was, you know, we have these at our house. We have something every other Thursday called family rosary mm. where like anybody can come. There's dessert and rosary and that's it. Like there's, it's not, not complicated at all. It's been great. Like it's, it's, uh, I usually know like half the people in my house, you know, it's like very like <laughs> it's out of the, like for me, it's like, you know, I'm really stretching, you know? So, but it's been a nice thing. And I was like contemplating, you know, my life's getting so busy. I was like, do I keep doing this? And I was talking to this this girl and i was like well, what what is the reason that you think it's good you know i mean i know why i think it's good but what do you think that's good and i thought 
I thought it would be like the very obvious, like, well, Catholics are bad at community and this is yeah. community. And she made yeah. this cop and, and I was like, well, I'm ready to answer that. You know, like I, you know, there's other, other forms of community, stuff like that. But she made this comment. She said, you know, I feel like we're so bad at like extending the liturgy into our everyday life. And that this is like kind of an example of like communal liturgical prayer, right? In, in a certain sense of like preparing ourselves as a community in other ways, right? Like in personal life. I can't remember exactly what she said. She linked it to the liturgy. And I remember being like, yeah, that is something that we do not, we're not even close to this. Like we don't even think about the mass until maybe we're on the way, you know, yeah. we don't even think about living as a liturgical community. No, certainly not. You know, it's, it's hard. It's disjointed and it's puts stress on, on us that shouldn't be there. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then I think of Ephesians chapter six as one does, uh, <laughs> as one does. So St. Paul in Colossians and Ephesians and in first Timothy uses what's called the household codes. Peter does it too. Husbands and wives, right. children and parents, slaves and masters makes us all uncomfortable. Ephesians five is the famous husbands, love your wives, wives, be submissive to your husbands. But Ephesians six interrupts the household codes with a chapter, but it just continues the codes and it's on children and parents. And it's like children honor your parents. Uh, you know, it's first commandment with a promise. Uh, yeah, whatever. It shall go well with you and you shall have a long life. And then he says, fathers, do not be overly harsh with your children. It says, but train them in instruction. And I think it says sound teaching. I don't have it right in front of me. It's Ephesians chapter six, verse two or, or three. And when I think about this and, and I, I think about this all the time, we as children were not discipled for many of us. We're not discipled by our parents directly. So right. our faith formation usually was parents' steady practice. And then on top of that, amazing youth ministers and catechists or some book author that you love or an audio cassette tape or a CD or a talk that you heard or a YouTube video that you watch or a podcast that you follow. And now I've taken that responsibility of discipling my son and my, my daughters in a much more direct way. And I'm starting to see, like, this is, this is where mystagogy becomes life. So I'm sitting with my son, Thomas. He has ADHD. He's eight years old. He's spinning like a top in the pew. You know, he's mostly insanely well-behaved for someone like him. And I put my hand on him and I said, okay, buddy, we're going to pray this prayer. I said, are you listening? Are you paying attention? And he's like, uh, yes. And I go, are you saying that just to make daddy happy? So I stop asking you questions. And he like looks at me with a smile. He's like, yes. So I said, okay. So I open up the, the little missile. They have a little pew missile, right? And I open up to the prayer and I go, we're going to pray this together. So we all knelt down and we did the penitential act. And uh, again, ordinary. And we're reading through and I just put my hand along and he's saying it out loud with me, right? Well, the funniest thing is that's a father-son moment. I'm not yelling at him. I'm not disciplining him. I'm not squeezing his arm so tight that no one realizes I'm executing <laughs> extreme judgment on him, you know, uh, you know, under right. the radar. I am just being a leader and letting him go. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. We can do this together. And yeah. it's so funny because like kids love individual attention. Your children all need individual attention. Doing that in the mass without it being a harsh thing, but a gentle thing yeah. enabled him to appreciate that prayer. Now, here's the beautiful thing. My son is named Thomas. He loves St. Thomas Aquinas. He loves the name. He doesn't know anything about the man. But he does know that in our pew missiles, there's a couple prayers before and after mass of St. Thomas Aquinas. So he'll right. open it up, and, he'll sh and he shows me almost every time, see, Daddy? See, Daddy? And I'm like, yeah. that's it, buddy. That's one of Daddy's favorite prayers. Okay, read it. And he'll read it on his own. See, this is like 
And then we'll read it after mass. And then they see daddy after mass when everyone leaves. I stay in the pew and I just pray and I talk to them about it. That's all. This is how we disciple. It doesn't always have to be these complicated lectures and all this stuff. But misagogia means bringing the liturgy, although I'm always down for a complicated lecture, bringing the liturgy into life and bringing life into the liturgy. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, it's a way of living. It's a, a mystagogic, to go back to that word, Bam. way of living. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to get here. We're going to just break real quick for a commercial. And as always, actually, Gomer, what's the number they're supposed to text? 33777. Text EKSB to 33777. All right. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, and I'm excited to introduce you to the Ascension app. It contains the full text of the Great Adventure Bible, the full text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and both the Bible and Catechism in a Year podcast. The app has special features that make the connections between the Bible and the Catechism crystal clear, like color-coded crosslinks and easy navigation. It also answers nearly 1,000 questions from Bible in a Year listeners about the Bible with videos from myself and others, also audio clips and excerpts from Ascension's popular books. To download the app, simply go to the App Store on your phone and search Ascension. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Carry it around everywhere I go. And we're back uh, talking about Mystagogia in our, our season here on uh, getting into the mysteries that we celebrate. And you know, today we talked about the problem with what's going on with uh, Mystagogia in most parishes and the issues with it. And I hope that um, you know we're able to provide some hope and kind of a way forward with that too. But as we uh, end up end this episode, we want to give you some homework here. And um, I think let's let's talk about this, Gomer. Like I feel like we're starting to get into understanding the mass more deeply. And for so many of us, wouldn't you agree? Most of us have just gone to mass for years and years and years, and we haven't questioned anything, right? <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> yeah, just autopilot, exactly. And yeah. so, what we want you to do for like this week's like take home homework, this uh, this thing, the practical takeaways to go back to our old school days is take a look at the order of the mass. You know, either either you know get the missile or or look it up online, and just like sit down with it and pray with it for a little bit, and come up with some questions like, why do we do this? Why is the order this way? What are we, what are we, what are we getting at here? What are the, think about the things that you experience at that mass during that time, and ask yourself, do I know what this represents? Do I know what this means? Do I know the the implications of this? And come up with some questions that you you'll be able to answer eventually. And let me give you a painfully practical way for you to extend liturgical living outside of just the Mass. So as Dave said, you know, quoting whoever, our whole week should prepare us for Sunday Mass. What my wife does every single Sunday is she has a book called Every Sacred Sunday, which actually one of her former teens produces. And it's a beautiful hardback volume where it has the readings for, uh, for the Sunday Masses has little things to help guide you but it's principally readings and places to take notes and my wife does the readings in prayer and she writes down notes from all all of the readings including the psalm and she writes down notes to herself then she listens to bishop Barron give his sunday homily which is usually around 14 15 minutes she listens to that and then she'll write a couple more notes cuz usually he'll pick one of the three readings and kind of go do a dive into that and then on top of that, 
my wife does Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, and she listens to the audio, which usually has nothing to do with the readings that day. But by the time it's seven o'clock and she needs to go get a second cup of coffee or go upstairs and start getting ready for mass or, you know, get the kids going and, and me with her, she has put herself in a receptive, prayerful mood yeah. for the whole rest of what the Lord wants to give her. She's sure. now at peace. She's established. She had to get up early in order to do that because we all know if you have a bunch of little kids, they drive you psychotic. They can ruin your morning. Like Dr. Hahn used to talk about holding. They would do a holy huddle before we'd leave for church. And they put their arms around each other. They pray with each other and all this stuff. And then Dr. Regis Martin heard that. And he was like, holy huddle. I like have to use chains and ropes to get them in order. It was so <laughs> funny. One of those Franciscan University Presents episodes on EWTN. Yeah. And I think of like for my family, there's so many good resources that's out there just to help you read the readings, prep for the readings. You can get Father Mike's homily within the app. It has like the, the homily and stuff like that, the Ascension app. Like do that. Do that Saturday night. Do that Sunday morning. But give yourself an extra hour because we all know we need breathing room. We need to wake right. up. We need to actually have cognitive abilities. No meditation without caffeination. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my practical tip from Shannon's heart to your brain. <laughs> I love it. So uh, this has been every knee shall bow as we move forward. We're going to actually move into preparing and getting ready for understanding and developing a life of Mystagogia through the actual sacraments. So I hope you'll continue to join us as this season moves along. God bless y'all. God bless. God bless.